are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. I'm reading and commenting on the Mystical City of God by Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today, we begin with chapter 7, and we'll begin with paragraph number 80. How the Most High gave a beginning to his works, and created all material things for the use of man, while angels and men were created to be his people under the leadership of the incarnate word. The cause of all causes is God, who created all things that have being. His powerful arm gave existence to all his wonderful works ad extra, when and how he chose. The beginning and succession of the work of creation is described by Moses in the opening chapter of Genesis. Since the Lord had given me an understanding thereof, I will mention what I think useful for elucidating the mysterious origin of the incarnation of the Word and of our redemption. The words of the first chapter of Genesis are as follows. In the beginning God created heaven and earth, and the earth was void and empty, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the waters. And God said, Be light made, and light was made. And God saw the light that it was good, and he divided the light from darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness night, and there was evening and morning, one day, etc. Of the first day, Moses says that in the beginning God created heaven and earth. Though he himself is immutable in being, the Almighty God, in calling creatures into existence, issued, so to say, forth from his own self and gave to creatures a being of their own, in order that he might, as it were, rejoice in the works of his own hands, as being the perfect and adequate results of his own operations. And before creating intellectual and rational creatures, desiring also the order of executing these works to be most perfect, he created heaven for angels, and men, and the earth as a place of pilgrimage for the mortals." These places are so adapted to their end and so perfect that, as David says of them, the heavens publish the glory of the Lord, the firmament and the earth announce the glory of the works of his hands. The heavens in their beauty manifest his magnificence and glory, because in them is deposited the predestined reward of the just. And the earthly firmament announced that there would be creatures and men to inhabit the earth, and that men should journey upon it to their Creator. Before He created them, the Most High wished to provide for them and create that which is necessary for the attainment of their end, and for the living in the manner ordained for them. Thus, all parts of the creation would be compelled, as it were, to obey and love their Maker and Benefactor, and by His works to learn of His holy name and of His perfections. Romans 1.20 of the earth, Moses says that it was void, which he does not say of the heavens. For God had created the angels at the instant indicated by the word of Moses. God said, let there be light, and light was made. He speaks here not only of material light, but also of the intellectual or angelic lights. He does not make express mention of them, but merely includes them in this word on account of the proclivity of the Hebrews to attribute divinity to new things, 
even of much greater inferiority than the angels. But the metaphor of light was very appropriate to signify the angelic nature, and mystically the light of their science and grace, with which they were endowed at their creation. God created the earth conjointly with the heavens, in order to call into existence hell in its center. For at the instant of its creation, there were left in the interior of that globe spacious and wide cavities suitable for hell, purgatory, and limbo. And in hell was created at the same time material fire and other requisites, which now serve for the punishment of the damned. The Lord was presently to divide the light from the darkness and to call the light day and the darkness night. And this did happen not only in regard to the natural light and day, but in regard to the good and bad angels. For to the good he gave the eternal light of his vision and called it day, the eternal day, and to the bad the night of sin, casting them into the eternal darkness of hell. Thus we were to be taught the intimate relation between the merciful liberality of the Creator and vivifier and the justice of the most just judge in punishment. The angels were created in the Empyrean heavens and in the state of grace, by which they might be first to merit the reward of glory. For although they were in the midst of glory, the divinity itself was not to be made manifest to them face to face and unveiled, until they should have merited such a favor by obeying the divine will. The holy angels, as well as the bad ones, remained only a very short time in the state of probation. For their creation and probation with its result were three distinct instants or moments separated by short intermissions. In the first instant, they were all created and endowed with graces and gifts, coming into existence as most beautiful and perfect creatures. Then followed a short pause, during which the will of the Creator was propounded and intimated, and the law and the command was given them to acknowledge Him as their Maker and Supreme Lord, and to fulfill the end for which they had been created. During this pause, instant, or interval, St. Michael and his angels fought that great battle with the dragon and his followers, which is described by the Apostle St. John in the 12th chapter of the Apocalypse. The good angels, persevering in grace, merited eternal happiness, and the disobedient ones, rebelling against God, merited the punishment which they now suffer. Although all this of the second instant could have happened in a very brief time on account of the subtle nature of the angels and the power of God, nevertheless, I understood that the kind consideration of the Most High permitted a certain delay, with the imposition of some intervals of time. He proposed to them the good and the bad, truth and falsehood, justice and injustice, divine grace and friendship, as opposed to sin and enmity of God. They were enabled to see eternal reward and eternal punishment, the perdition of Lucifer and of those that would follow him. His majesty showed them hell and its pains. They saw it all, for by virtue of their superior and excellent nature, they understood the essence of other, more qualified and limited creatures, so that before falling from grace, they were clearly aware of the place of their chastisement. Although they did not know in the same manner the reward of glory, they had of it other knowledge, and besides they had the manifest and express promise of the Lord. The Most High had therefore justified his cause and proceeded with the greatest equity and justice. 
But as all this goodness and equity did not suffice to restrain Lucifer and his followers, they were chastised in their stubbornness and hurled into the depths of the hellish caverns, while the good angels were confirmed in eternal grace and glory. All this was consummated in the third instant, and thus it became truly manifest that no being outside of God himself is impeccable by nature, since the angel, who held such an exalted position and was adorned with so many great gifts of knowledge and grace, nevertheless sinned and was lost. What will become of human frailty if the divine power does not defend it, and if it forces God to forsake it? It remains to investigate the motive which urged Lucifer and his confederates to sin, and what was the occasion of their disobedience and fall. For this is the point to which I wanted to come. In regard to this, it was made known for me that they could commit many sins, as far as the guilt of sin, secundum reatum, is concerned, although they did not consummate them in acts. However, on account of those which they did actually commit freely and of their own depraved will, they acquired the disposition to all bad acts, inducing others to commit and approving in others those sins which they could not commit themselves. Following the bad inclinations, which from that time on filled Lucifer, he fell into a most disorderly self-love, which arose from the consciousness of being endowed with greater gifts and greater beauty of nature and grace than the other inferior angels. He tarried with inordinate pleasure in this consciousness, and thus, self-satisfied, he became lax and remiss in the gratitude which was due to God as the sole cause of all that he had received. Turning again and again in admiration toward himself, he took pleasure in his own beauty and grace, attributing them to himself and loving them as his own. This disorderly self-love not only caused him to exalt himself on account of the superior virtues which he had received, but also induced him to harbor envy and covetousness for other gifts and for excellences not his own. Then, because he could not attain them, he conceived a mortal hatred and indignation against God who created him out of nothing and against all his creatures. This concludes our reading today from The Mystical City of God, chapter 7, paragraphs 80 to 85. What we see in this chapter is the creation of the world, and it began with quoting the scriptures. That's something that we can marvel about, that God created the heavens and the earth. And to really think what that creation was like, God has always been, but God creates heaven and he creates earth. And we know heaven is our destiny. And as Maria of Agreda said in this reading, that earth is our pilgrimage right now. So we're on a pilgrimage on earth to reach the kingdom of heaven. One of the things we need to maybe just reference here right at the very beginning is the fact that Maria of Agreda speaks about suitable for hell, purgatory, and limbo. And so God creates these places. But the one that we need to mention is limbo, that this was the belief that the unbaptized 
such as unbaptized babies, would be in a place of limbo. It wasn't heaven, it wasn't hell, it wasn't purgatory, but it was a place of limbo. Pope Benedict offered a clarification on the church's teaching on limbo, and because this is really a matter of eschatology, really it was something now that we no longer say that we necessarily believe in. There were many a parent devastated at the loss of their infant child, and the child may be buried outside of the cemetery because of this belief of limbo. And so really, it was medicinal, it was healing, as the church looked at it and said, we actually don't know what happens, and we have to have the hope that that baby is with God. Because why would God not bring this innocent child not into his presence? So that's one thing maybe to reference as we heard that word limbo. And maybe you said, I don't know if we believe in limbo. And really that's the case. Uh, It's something that was examined uh, several years ago. It, It is something about eschatology. This is the study of the last things, heaven, hell, death, judgment, etc. And so really we don't know about heaven. We don't know about hell. We don't know about purgatory and limbo. We know from private revelation certain things. So certain visionaries have seen heaven. They've seen hell. That there are people that have seen purgatory and that they've received visits from holy souls from purgatory. So there are these private revelations, but as a matter of what it is, we can't necessarily define that because we are outside of time, heaven and hell. There is no time in heaven and hell. It is just the eternal now. And so from our place here on earth, we can only imagine, we can speculate, theological speculation about heaven, hell, and purgatory and limbo. As we talk about purgatory, a good reminder, pray for the holy souls who have died. Pray for the poor souls. Pray for the forgotten souls. Pray for the souls of your family members and your friends. Another interesting aspect, and I think lots of people love angels. People collect angels. We see them a lot around Christmas time. We sing songs about angels. Hark the herald angels sing. Angels we have heard on high. And so as we think about the angels, we know that they're not actual physical beings. They're not corporeal beings. They're spiritual beings. And so Maria of Agreda here is giving us a little interpretation about the creation of the angels. And we all know the story of the fall, that really that Satan disobeyed God as well, that he wanted to be greater than God. And so that was the fall. And even Maria of Agreda in this reading today gives us kind of a little understanding about those devilish angels, those who are fallen, those who tempt us, those who try to lead us astray. We hear about St. Michael and his angels, and just in a few chapters from now, we'll be hearing about a revelation, about uh, about Maria of Agreda's interpretation of Revelation, especially chapter 12. Listen to this that we just read. In regard to this, it was made known to me that they could commit many sins as far as the guilt of sin is concerned, although they did not consummate them in acts. So they can sin in their being, they can sin by their pride, they can sin by lack of virtue, etc. 
And then, however, on account of those which they did actually commit freely and of their own depraved will, they acquired the disposition to all bad acts, inducing others to commit and approving in others those sins which they could not commit themselves. You wonder why we face temptation? We face temptation because evil confronts us. The devil confronts us. He wants us to commit sins that he can't commit himself. Think about that. The next time you're tempted to sin, I am committing this sin because someone is deceiving me. I'm committing this sin right now because the angel that has fallen from God's grace cannot commit it and wants to delight in me committing that sin. It's really something for us to marvel about, something for us to really take and apply that to our spiritual life. We all face temptations every day. Just think of that. Ask your guardian angel to protect you and to guide you. Ask St. Michael to cast those evil spirits that prowl about the world to the depths of hell where they belong. I'm Father Edward Looney, and you've been listening to the Mystical City of God in your podcast. You can acquire the four volumes from which I am reading from Tan Books. And I hope you'll join me again tomorrow as we continue our reading from this mystical revelation of Venerable Maria of Agreda. God bless you, and may Mary pray for you.